by the time you hear this podcast, you'll know if you can actually wear a suit all the time. that song um (laughs) (laughs) so uh for people who follow us on instagram and facebook you know what our topic may be this evening and for those who are listening for the very first time on our many different platforms welcome to by the time you hear this podcast i'm greg i'm ben and we're back with episode 26 Uh uh-oh we're halfway we can to rent a, a year. Now, right? we can <laughs> rent a car by a gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so you can uh, listen to our podcast. And thank you if you have been listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can uh, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. We're also on Instagram. By the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because you is upstanding yes and the same spelling for our (laughs) (laughs) the same spelling for our email address uh, by the time you hear this at gmail.com and you can listen to our podcast on podomatic itunes satchel podcast player Castbox, and tune in radio so any of those apps you'll be able to find us and any of those social media apps you'll be able to hit us up if you like Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a guest, a returning guest. Uh, he is, he, we, when we last, uh, when he was last on our podcast, we talked a little bit about the greatness of Teddy Riley. And, uh, well, we won't, if you haven't guessed yet, we're just not going to tell you yet what we're talking about <laughs> on this episode, but, uh, he is here to talk to, to uh, talk with us about it. So please welcome back Brandon, AKA Hawk Jones. What's going on, man? Greetings, fellas. How art thou? You good. <laughs> feeling good, feeling great. 
feeling great. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I finally made it back because I was supposed to be with you guys last week, but I forgot. <laughs> in all honesty, in all honesty, I forgot and stepped out from my house and looked at my phone and was like, "Damn it, <laughs> damn it!" But I did get a chance to listen to the uh, latest show, and I thoroughly enjoyed your review on the new edition. The new edition story. I, I, I haven't heard anyone call it the biopic. <laughs> Just um, the new edition story. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people say biopic anymore because it's supposed. To, it's short for biography picture. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. pronounce it biopic. That's what I've usually mm. heard too. And that's that's weird to me. And I feel like that has something to do with like the study studying the eye for some mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> I think the last time I heard biopic use might have been uh, "Walk the Line." <laughs> like that might have been the last time I heard it. But um, well, I mean, we could uh, um, try to get your 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 first impression of after watching it because I um, knowing that you. Uh, anticipated it as much at least as much as I did um, <laughs> I mean I had unrealistic expectations um, as as you may have heard but uh, <laughs> what was your first impression after seeing it seeing the miniseries I I loved it but I listening to your your episode from last week I had the same quips the exact same quips about the movie plus I don't know if anyone noticed, but Rouse Shag kept disappearing. Like one moment he would have the shag, and the next moment it would be gone. You know, yeah, yeah. Because um, like he 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 was supposed to consistently have that shag probably up until the heartbreak album. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw it leave and then come back. One of the media um, inconsistencies of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and I really want to know what living in a dream sounded like. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> the the lost album, Living in a Dream, and I I wonder like was anything like anything that was on Living in a Dream was it used for um, his self title, his official self titled debut, or was anything on It's Going Down was anything like remixed or reworked or anything, or is everything just it's brand new? Because Bobby did it first. <laughs> like, Bobby, Bobby did, did it first. first. I mean, if you ask Mike Bell, it was trash. He just said, like, "Yeah, this is like you brought us here to put this on." Like, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Don't come the so the hard. rest of the group thought it was trash, and they only yeah. let's do it for like ten seconds. They yeah. did listen. To, they did listen to it for a little bit. Like they seemed. Uh, I don't know. That just. I was like, Mike, just like he just dismissed it like right then just like <laughs> he dismissed no. it so hard so yeah, exactly not just dismissed it but like with the vengeance <laughs> like, like it had done something to him so yeah like uh, i wanted to see yeah. that subplot that led up to that that would have been interesting <laughs> but i mean that was one of those things so they kind of left out like there was there were like little nuances like of course we talked about how they lost over the 90s in general yeah. Um, just to bring us to home again, but they, like, they skipped from the the awkward like BET interview. Mm-hmm. They skipped right to home again. So, like, I'm curious though, like, you know, who did he work with on you know the unreleased "Living the Dream"? <laughs> like, who who was working on it? You know, and what was that song that was, was playing? It, was it Jimmy? What was, that? was, was it was Terry? That? Was yeah. it L.A.? Was it Face? Because there was a was song it? playing. You know, <laughs> like, was that song just written for the movie? <laughs> 
Who knows? I mean, like, you know, like some stuff was was changed like a little bit, possibly for legal reasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, instead of uh, like the when they were when they Mike figured out they were signed only to Gary, the real company was called Jump and Shoot. Yeah. But in the movie, they had called it Fast Break. Yeah. um, As if no one would figure that out. But (laughs) um, yeah, I I wonder. Yeah, I do wonder who who he worked with exactly, because it sounded like like in the scene where he's in him and and Xena, who finally got to go outside. She finally came outside. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She um, uh, went in that scene where they're moving into their new place. Uh, he said he had already found a producer and a studio, mm-hmm. and it sounded like, like like some local guys. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like some just dudes from Boston, um, <laughs> or well, or LA. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, that's where they were at the point at the time. Yeah, but like, how did how did he get to that point to where okay, or like who were who were those producers? Mm-hmm. Um, were they anybody, or were they just some Nobody's. some friends who thought they could make some money off the the lead singer, quote unquote, of New Edition? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you this, Brandon. Were you uh, mm-hmm. a little? Were you disappointed at all that there were no like, uh, not well, not a full realized Soul Train reenactment, like as yeah, far as them performing like it, on Soul Train. It, it happened in the background. <laughs> yeah, where Bobby's like, Bobby's uh, Bobby's like putting cocaine in a <laughs> ice cream cone. Was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was a bad. I thought he was getting ready to snort it. I, he was, It didn't look like he was ready to put it in anything. <laughs> like I do, I I do remember seeing an interview with Bobby Brown saying that he he sold cocaine for a little bit, but you wouldn't you wouldn't get that from that scene knowing knowing the stigma of Bobby Brown. You wouldn't get <laughs> I'm selling cocaine. <laughs> I'm preparing cocaine to for wholesale. <laughs> like you get, oh, Bobby Brown starting <laughs> while watching his friends sing "Count Me Out" on what's supposed to be Soul Train. Oh God! Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was weird that there wasn't a full Soul Train performance, uh, considering how much they were on there. Yeah. Like they were doing songs. I feel like they did every song. Um, from the first three albums on Soul Train, they <laughs> like Soul Train. It, those were separate performances <laughs> to do one or two of those songs. Because uh, I remember, um, well, we we played it on the last episode, uh, the song "The Kind of Girls We Like." They yeah, did that so song on Soul Train. That. <laughs> <laughs> that song is so hilarious. To me. Oh man! Um, and I, I listened to it again. Like there were there were like five or six different times that they use the exact phrase nice young lady mm-hmm. I just thought that was really <laughs> weird <laughs> um, it's like y'all are like 16 17 yeah. I don't know like y'all are too you know, young to use the phrase nice young lady do you know what a nice young lady <laughs> nice is young lady. <laughs> um, but yeah um, well as I was saying before we started recording also that um, I, I didn't like Gerald Busby's portrayal um, more and more yeah, <laughs> with just... a couple of repeated viewings um, because of the inconsistency. Um, he like, was either really loving or really mean. Yeah. Hot or cold. <laughs> well, I mean, and you you see it in the, the scene with when um, Mike comes in, is like, what the hell is fast break? And he's like, who the hell, the yeah. hell do you think he's talking to? And then like two seconds later, 
It's he's like being story like really nice. Like, <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> son. Let me school you on some things. And he seemed a little too nice to Bobby Brown in the car for somebody who had just broken, you know, almost broken up your best selling act. We owe you a solo record. Like that was like, and did well, they, did they, your mother called us. Yeah. And I flew all the way. <laughs> She's here to talk to you. Like I know you just rich. as your friends are on soul train. Yeah. Performing count me out with your vocals on it. Like it was just, <laughs> I don't know. Like that, that part seemed the weirdest to me. Like there he, a lot of like coincidence. Like it's too, too much of a coincidence. Yeah. But, Deus a machina, right? Is that the machine of the gods? Like, like, like it's, I guess that's like movie, movie logic. Yeah. Because and because yeah, uh, it, it makes you think like well, I know Bobby only got probably like the only lead part he got was was Mister Telephone Man mm-hmm. and it was only the chorus and he sang the hell out of it yeah um in as you see with the with the live performances they said he would mm-hmm. sing that chorus for twenty minutes yeah. uh, but what is it is that what they saw like oh we can make him a a, a star as a solo artist I need to find a a gif. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Gif, gif. I need to find a gif of when they're standing on stage with their backs to Bobby and he's just dancing in the background. (laughs) (laughs) I need to have that. (laughs) Taking his shirt off. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Um, And I I saw uh, looking at a couple of other videos and how like it was kind of weird that they didn't have the any videos they didn't reenact any videos um before part three before part three yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and there's a video for uh my secret which was filmed in la of course and i felt like it would have been it had to be some kind of how much how much did they have to like swallow their pride because i'm sure they're all boston celtics fans mm-hmm. right and the video takes place like like it's basically like um they're all like at a cafe or whatever and they they all dance and then they all go to a lakers game Ooh. it's like that was the secret they all go to a lakers game and then like the game's tied it's late in the fourth quarter and then pat riley looks into the stands and he points to ralph and then ralph <laughs> runs into the runs onto no the way. court and as soon as he comes onto the court he's all of a sudden in a lakers uniform <laughs> i, I want to see this now <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous video but uh magic johnson throws in the ball and like he was in like you know whatever out with outfit they were wearing, but when he got on the court, he was instantly in a Lakers uniform. Magic mm. Johnson throws mm. the ball, he goes up and dunks it, but he had to like, I mean, he's he's not tall enough to dunk, yeah. But it was <laughs> they had that like weird that uh, angle that weird yeah. angle to look like to where he could dunk, <laughs> but it was he went up, he grabbed the rim with his off hand and dunked it with his other hand. Aww. So it was, it looked really, it looked really awkward. But, um, and then at the end, uh, I don't know why Ralph was exactly sad. Cause I mean, the game was over, but all of a sudden they're walking outside and there's magic Johnson and he gives him a high five. And then when he walks, he was wearing like what he was wearing earlier in the video. Yeah. And then he walks up to magic Johnson. He's in the Lakers uniform again. Oh, that just, that sounds like poor editing. <laughs> And what I, uh, from my understanding, uh, it was right in front of the Forum Club. Uh, so anyone who knows about the uh, the Forum Club at the Great Western Forum, 
Um, what about the forum club? Is this something we can talk about on here? <laughs> Is it that bad? Well, it was it was kind of like, um, I guess it's like kind of a, a VIP section uh, kind of thing, okay. kind of seedy. You see all the celebrities uh, there, but gotcha. then, you know, things got kind of um, specific. <laughs> Is this where Magic Johnson might have gotten his condition? Uh, possibly. I possibly. mean, that, or that's where the start, it was a, it was a start. Mm, that you know. was the real secret. Him, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they knew already. They knew, and he was he was hanging out with the with the owner Jerry Bus all the time, and you know he he was that dude. Oh, um, so yeah, a uh, very weird video <laughs> for that song, and um, it also had um, a very short appearance from um, what is her name, Tyra Farrell, uh, who was in Poetic Justice. She was the owner of the salon, Jesse. Anyone? I'm trying to remember. Well, hold on. Mm. What, who was she in the movie? She was she was like Janet's boss at the salon. Well, no, not not in that because it's been forever. Oh, since in the in the Justice. video, it was she was like one of the background like extras. Oh, you mean in the video? I thought you meant in the new edition story. Mm. Was, oh, she was yeah. She wasn't in the in the miniseries. She was in she was in the the video for My Secret. You see her for like five seconds. Okay, but. Uh, she was in Poetic Justice. So, I mean, that's kind of a connection to our topic in a mm-hmm. way. Very. Right. <laughs> it works. Um, you, you'll, you, if people listening will find out. Um, <laughs> um, uh, do you, uh, do you, are, how did you feel like there being a very minimal reference to Whitney Houston? Like I don't know if minimal is the word. What's yeah. smaller than that? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was in, in passing. <laughs> yeah, the only like I don't know if they were if she was mentioned before, but I know she was mentioned as we see Ricky uh snort cocaine. That was yeah. the only <laughs> the only reference I remember. Like I felt like it was in passing and then even at the wedding, she should have been there, right? If she was I would imagine she was Bobby's date. <laughs> I don't know. No. No, she wouldn't have been? No. I don't know. Were they not together then? See, this was 2005. I mean... When did they split? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I think they... I, like, if they're not going to make a reference to her, mm-hmm. like, or make a, the smallest reference possible, mm-hmm. you had to leave her out of the miniseries altogether. Well, because she's credited in the credits. As someone playing Whitney Houston? Yeah, she's in the credits. So I, I looked for her. I expected her to be somewhere... <laughs> From what I saw, see, they didn't get divorced until 2007. Yeah, she's credited in the, like, there's someone in the credits on IMDb as Whitney Houston. Oh. But I don't know who she is. I was kind of looking to see. I figured she'd have a speaking role, but nah. No, because I was trying to figure out where that would have been, too. It wouldn't have been, like, the, the, um, the end of the Heartbreak Tour party scene, because that would have been 1990. And I'm not certain they were together yet. I, I believe they met at the American Music Awards. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. But I believe like some sort of after party around that time of the Heartbreak Tour. They realized they were just as hit as each other. <laughs> right? Um, I would have loved to yeah. see a recreation, like a small recreation of the We Have Something in Common video. Yeah. Oh God! I forgot about but just that. that, that see, but that that would have been part the of the the 1990 to 1996 part that they just Glass totally skipped over. over. Yeah. 
True. Because um, that album came out in 92, I believe. Yeah. And I would have liked to have seen like a scene to where all to where their albums all flopped. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, uh, or, or <laughs> I mean, it probably, it probably would have living in a dream again. <laughs> It would have cost too much to do, but like the scene where where BBD was on the Fresh Prince filming oh, the video for Gangster, hilarious. Yes. I would have liked to have seen something like that. Um, but yeah, well, we'll 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 never know. Maybe in another like twenty years or so, like yeah, you know, we should do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like for for us, we were like. How do you? How would you compare the miniseries to the Temptations or Jackson's and American Dream? Uh, you see, mm. <laughs> I because I love the Temptations movie, I do. But watching it recently, mm. there's a lot of questionable things with that movie as well. Oh yeah. Uh, mainly, mainly acting wise, not not Leon. Leon makes the movie, <laughs> but I, I I think I would put it I would put it right up there with the Temptations movie, just beating it by a smidget, but still under American Dream. Yeah, I don't think anything's gonna beat the American Dream. I think, See, be, yeah. The thing with American Dream is like they did they did a whole they did the when they were kids mm-hmm. then they had actual teenagers playing them as teenagers yeah yeah Everything. like the the, the person who played who played Jermaine was Jermaine Jackson Jr. yeah played the 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 youngest Jermaine that we saw yeah um and uh the thing that was that would may have been kind of weird is that Maybe they went to a the the youngest Michael was a little too light skinned uh, at the time <laughs> to grow up to be yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think they were all a little order. too light skinned anyway. But you know, they they at least try to be as consistent as possible. But I'm not well, Jay no, because when yeah, with the youngest Michael <laughs> to Jay Weave, like come on now, y'all ain't even the same complexion. <laughs> y'all even look related. <laughs> Y'all don't even look like y'all cousins, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I w- I would agree with you there. Um, I think another part of it is that I think with the mini with the new edition miniseries, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't that overpowering character like you would have expected it to be Bobby. Oh yeah, yeah. And like with the Temptations, it was David, and with the Jacksons, it was Joe. There, but Bobby wasn't that overpowering character, and I think part of it may have been. I mean, Woody McLean, he did a he did a great job, but he was a guy like he's a he's one of those stars that um, on social media for making like sketches on Instagram and Vine. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. OK. Um, and yeah. I recently found out he's also a Chris. He one, he's also a Chris Brown backup dancer. OK. And two, I've like I, I believe it was on the Sway Morning Show they were on and he said that they that he did the like body double for Bobby Brown in the Whitney movie on Lifetime. Hmm. I haven't I actually haven't seen the Whitney movie. It's hilarious. Just, like after all the jokes made about the Aaliyah movie, like uh, no, it's why would I even like 
<laughs> we can waste but our time with the Whitney still movie. Hilarious. <laughs> um, oh, speaking with uh, now, it, I think it came out like maybe a year ago. But did you see the other new edition trailer on YouTube? Yes, I did. I did see that one. I, I was. See, I like that one because they did more of the. Uh, they did more of the like recreations of like music videos earlier on. Mm-hmm. Like they did the Cool It Now video. Yeah. Which it's like you would like that's like one of the most like famous new edition songs. You would think that would be the video that they pushed in this newer one. Yeah. Uh I'm, they all I think they also did I saw like a clip that looked like um the Count Me Out video and they did mm-hmm. Can You Stand the Rain. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit from that too. Um but they also um they they kind of explored more the division between new edition about like they there was a focus more on like what it was really like when when he was kicked out when he was voted out mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. um there was there was a more of a focus on that but like there were yeah. more there were, like it seemed like there was more exposition on how Bobby felt as opposed to him sticking his hand in cakes and drinking yeah. a bottle of champagne. And then kind of like how he how he feels about performing. Because I've, I've heard in like interviews and it's probably a lot in his book about him performing on stage. And that was kind of like the reason why he was as big a star as he was in between 87 and 90 um, with that out with the Don't Be Cruel album. Mm-hmm. Uh just his performance, uh, just, yeah, just a performing on stage and how important that was to him and kind of him growing into that is what got him voted out of new edition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because spotlight, man. Yeah. Because he wanted the spotlight. He felt he was getting better singing and performing. And, you know, then the guy, the songwriters, you know, Ray, Ray Parker Jr. Hands the lyric sheet to yeah. Ralph. Um, and then Bobby gets to sing the chorus. <laughs> and there was a lot of, I mean, honestly, maybe some foreshadowing. If if you don't know the story of of New Edition, at the beginning when Brooke says, um, "This is a group. There's no room for you know. If you think that you're bigger than the group, who's the first face they go yeah, to? The close up with close up with Bobby. Like, mm-hmm. it's like ah, that's. I see what you're doing, Chris Robinson. That's gonna happen later. <laughs> that's gonna. That's going to happen later. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna become an issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did. Um. Uh. Well, no one, no one noticed it, but when I listened to the last episode, I, I noticed why it said. Um, uh, I I was saying Lisa Nicole Carson played Bobby's mom, but she actually played Ricky's mom, and Sandy mm-hmm. McCree played Bobby's mom. Sandy McCree, you may know as uh, Naaman Bryce's mom from The Wire. Um. One of the most heartless uh, mothers you ever yeah. seen on television. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just wanted to clear that real quick. You get out there and you sell cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we had that. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, glad someone was like as interested as see- in seeing the miniseries as as we were. Um, that's the girl who's supposed to be Whitney Houston. Who's oh, I thought it was someone. Oh, 
Uh, I don't know. I've been yeah. been showing a picture of who was playing Whitney Houston that's in the miniseries. Yeah, she's credited as Whitney Houston one episode. Yeah, that's and I her face does not look yeah. uh, any kind of familiar. <laughs> and the dude who looked who was supposed to be I'll be sure, just like him. <laughs> Is that actually I'll be sure? Wait, no, that's actually him. <laughs> oh, he was he played himself? No, he didn't play himself. That's what it says. Oh, Albert Brown. Who's Albert, Albert Brown? Well, that's his real oh, name. That's okay, his real yeah, name. he played himself. That's what it says. That was but where <laughs> that was not the real I'll be sure playing I'll be sure in that one scene. Hey man, there could be some mistakes. I mean, it is just IMDB. So which would, would oh, that's another question like for that scene where they were all on tour together. Yeah. A lot of people. Okay. With I'll be sure, you know, of one song, mm-hmm. maybe two <laughs> or or just his that one album. How many songs did he perform when he was on tour with them? How many songs did he do? Well, we know he opened with. <laughs> and he opened day. with the big one. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, where do you go from there? Like, <laughs> no, nowhere. Everyone gets up and leaves until New Edition comes on. <laughs> um, and then why? Why was if Bobby had if Bobby had the had Don't Be Cruel? Why is he opening the show? I don't know. Maybe they just no matter what. If, new if, if I'll be sure is the is like the new guy, mm-hmm. and he has the only really the one song that we know. Mm-hmm. Why is Bobby Brown performing first? Uh, <laughs> dramatic. So he, like when I was when he said like you know how about you know I perform right before y'all and maybe I could you know do a couple of songs. It sounded perfectly logical to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, okay, they I'll be sure we only know one song by him. Yeah. They did actually let Bobby sing with them. On one occasion, I found a YouTube video. Someone had an audio recording of them singing this, the telephone man. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Bobby singing with them. Did it go on for 30 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I have to find it now. <laughs> uh, I, I believe yeah. so. But I also <laughs> did watch a, uh, a Bobby Brown concert live in Japan. Mm-hmm. And he sung my prerogative for about 13 to 15 minutes. Okay, what Straight. is up with this? I, I I hear about people doing these at concerts, like when Jay Z and Kanye did niggas in it, Paris. It, in like, Paris, like, they did it like twelve times in yeah, a row. At like least, who does oh, no, they did the song over and over again. But yeah, they, yeah, Brown, they were doing it. Yeah, they kept doing the song back to back. The song. For... Oh, so he just kept the same song going. He didn't stop. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. sad. Like he would literally stop and like dance with the crowd, like in the movie. Yeah. Except mm-hmm. New Edition wasn't there this time to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> didn't look like they stopped me before. Like that's the problem. <laughs> no one told him. <laughs> um, but uh well yeah, so anybody listening, if you have any comments or anything you want to add about the new edition miniseries, uh definitely hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or or email us. Um we can go ahead and get into our music news. Um I wanna keep like I said, I want to keep this segment as short as possible. Uh, Beyonce is pregnant with twins. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it seemed like every girl I knew on Instagram was reposting that that one uh, maternity shot. Made it look like someone said it like she took it at JC Penny, and, and then JC JC Penny got mad. It was like, no, they're like y'all haters corny. Y'all, y'all haters corny. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, it looked awful. It looked awful. Uh, someone on yeah. face on my Facebook reposted the whole shoot, like all of the pictures. Uh, where she's in water and then blue ivy 
Um, I saw a couple of memes uh, where I had a picture of Blue Ivy. It's like when your inheritance goes from one billion to three hundred thirty-three <laughs> million. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it's cool and all, but I don't know. I, I, it, 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 it brought the weirdos out uh, to me. For real, as far as the the my Facebook friends, it brought out the. Okay, you're way too invested in this. Oh yeah, and I'm not sure why. Oh yeah, they are. They are. Um, Brandon, oh, did sure. did you see that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but my because I I'm a bit of a, I guess, I guess I'm a troll on Facebook. That you would come. I love bothering people who let it bother them too much. <laughs> Just oh oh my god, oh Beyonce, but did you guys see Love and Hip Hop last night? That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, I did actually. This, I saw this week's episode. Uh, they were in Mexico, and it. Where's Mona getting the money? Or apparently, Cardi <laughs> B was not happy with that episode because she oh, probably no. only said like two things. Mm. Well, to quote her, she says they make her look like a bitch. <laughs> uh, she is uh, she is a treat, uh, but I wish she would explain that a little more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah, um, I think I've already said on this podcast I do watch Love and Hip Hop. Yeah, you. Yeah, I do it. I I rather enjoy it. it. I'm, I'm not, hey, sometimes you gotta turn your mind off, man. It's great TV. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV, so I mean, I guess I'm not really the right person to weigh in on that. But yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Beyonce's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's pregnant, and uh, there was some questions like with her being pregnant. Is she going to? Um, is she performing at Coachella? Because she was one of the named one of the headliners. Um, as far as uh, as far as we know, uh, there are no uh, plans for it to uh, for it to be replaced or for that to be canceled. Well, that to be she's gonna be good and pregnant. Up there getting it, shaking them babies around because she's not pregnant. But when <laughs> is Coachella? I feel like it's in April. Oh yeah, she's gonna be good and pregnant. Um. Oh, the weekend of April 14th and then the 23rd. And she'll be, if she's between five and a half and seven and a half months pregnant. Jesus, man. Jeez. She's going to be huge. She's going to be in a wheelchair. This is going to be an acoustic set. I can feel Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that might be the time to put on an acoustic acoustic set Yeah. for Beyonce. Because mm-hmm. she ain't dancing. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nah, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I, I, I has she performed at festivals a lot? I mean, because I feel like she's not a I festival. No, I don't think she does. Typically. Kind of artist. I mean, not to say that it, it's a bad thing at all, but when you see Beyonce performing live, it's like she has. It's, she's on tour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's her tour. But as far as doing a festival. It's some I I don't recall her doing that before, so maybe what she thought it might have been something good to, but well, hold on. So 
when it was announced that she was going to be at Coachella, mm-hmm. she was already pregnant. She was already like aware because oh, that was boy. like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure she's very calculated. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pregnant. And everyone's going to want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, she's 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 got a plan, I guess. She's got to have a plan for 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 that. If when it was announced, she made she should have already been showing because it, it was just a couple of weeks ago or yeah. a few weeks ago at most. Um, which means the yeah. Beehive can stop hating Jay Z now. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. I guess. I mean, like logically, that may be true, but you know, is it they happen? won't. <laughs> we're we're people who have conspiracy theories about the pregnancy yeah. if she's mm-hmm. you know really, really pregnant. pregnant. If she's really pregnant, because like I like I felt like Solange was the surrogate, mm-hmm. okay, out, and I feel she may be the surrogate this time. That's why, like, she just put out this album, and she's she not going on tour. Oh, she's not. I, I like I don't know. Surrogate confirmed. I don't know, yeah. man. I think the only time I saw her perform was on Saturday Night Live a while ago. Yeah, and you can you can do a lot of things with camera angles. Yeah, and on a on a closed television set. No, they just make her. You know, they're just they're feeding her. You know, there's like, oh, we got you. We got money. We got more than enough. You don't need to tour. We got we got you, girl. We got you. We got you. Mm-hmm. See, I'm waiting for the tell all book. I'm waiting for the miniseries. That too. <laughs> Solange. Elevator. Dark Secrets. Oh, there Elevators was a... Um, more dark Secrets. Well, we're we're here in Atlanta, and uh, there was a... Um, the Atlanta police admit they backfired with the tweet, urging people not to celebrate Beyonce's pregnancy with celebratory gunfire. And they, they tweeted... Beyonce may have everyone wanting to celebrate her pregnancy, but remember, no celebratory gunfire. Stay safe, Atlanta. Do people do that? Just like, woo, pow, 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 pow. She's pregnant, pow, pow, pow. You you know what troubles me? Is that I'm not sure. (laughs) I mean, I feel like that's something, you know. I want to go, nah. Excuse my my non-PC-ness. I feel like that's something rednecks would do. Like, if they found out that, like, you know, um, you know, Faith Hill. Is is pregnant? Yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Martina McBride. Like, you know, that's what I feel like. Yes, I know who Martina McBride is for the people listening. But like, I just feel like that's something they would do. Um, like, yeah. like some dudes ain't go, like black dudes ain't gonna go pop off. You know, something just because I, they they deleted the tweet because it would they said it was like inappropriate. It's just awkward it's because strange, like yeah. It's Who like awkward that? and they kind of put the idea out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I know they go to bad neighborhoods and they see the worst things. So who knows? Because now that makes me nervous. Do people really like the last time she, she announced she was pregnant where they're like out and people just start to come out firing guns and they're like, oh, we don't need this again. Like, we don't need this happening again. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Go ahead and put out the tweet, Sam. Go ahead and put it they're out. T- they're twins this time, too. Yeah. So I would that would be even weirder to me. Like if they're like, actually, yeah, that really did happen. Um, <laughs> a straight bullet hit our car. Like, so yeah, um, they deleted the tweet uh, for that. 
Um, so yeah, okay, we spent too much time on Beyonce. That was much more than well, when I you said Atlanta. Well, I thought you were about to talk about uh, something else that's happening this weekend that involves Atlanta. If you know what I mean. Oh, are you talking about the uh, the sports ball game? Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. As I wear my Falcons shirt and my Falcons hat and. Well, I mean, guess we can get into that uh, kind of segue a little bit. Uh, the Super Bowl halftime show will be featuring Lady Gaga. Um, oh, yeah. Before we get Ooh. to that, there were some. Uh, well, we talked about how there was a petition for the Migos to replace her. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, there was um, there were 65,000 signatures. Uh, and but there were other petitions for other artists to replace her. Really? One, uh, Chris Brown. Mm. uh, Queen with Adam Lambert. The hell? I forgot (laughs) that's a thing now. Really? That, I mean, I'd watch that, but that's such an obscure. (laughs) Uh, Kanye. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Janet Jackson. <laughs> and their argument was, it's time for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> we are a forgiving nation. Oh God. Uh Iggy Azalea. Ew, no. Ugh. Ugh. Um said Iggy Azalea is just an amazing performer and one of the biggest female rappers out there and could invite so many special guests like Ariana Grande. Charlie XCX, Rita Ora, Britney Spears, and Jennifer Lopez. I don't give a damn. Like, <laughs> oh, these are also in order by the number of signatures. So Migos <laughs> led the way with oh. 65,000. And then Chris Brown uh, with 9,775. <laughs> so a big drop off. He wasn't able to beat the competition. No pun intended. Uh, Queen and Adam Lambert with 1,655. So another big drop off. They edged out Kanye. Uh, then Janet Jackson, Iggy Azalea got an 189 signatures. Mm. Uh, following Iggy Azalea is Gucci. Guap. I could see that. <laughs> they said uh, the trap God will put on the most lit show and the Falcons are playing. It's meant to be <laughs> like if it were in Atlanta, I would be all for it because then it'd be the most Atlanta Super Bowl ever. <laughs> it's going to be in Atlanta in 2019. Might as well get like he shouldn't Gucci fall off by then. and Future. And then Outcast. Future comes out wearing a, a, a Seahawks jersey. <laughs> this is baby Future. <laughs> uh, and uh, after Gucci on this list was Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, nah. See, people don't. I don't think people realize. Like, you got to get someone who's big. That is not the name I thought was going to come up next. Yeah, you, you gotta have. I really, I honestly thought Taylor Swift would be on here on this list because it just seems like people just want to see her all the time. But you know, the one that that we're we're hoping for, oh, Taylor, Taylor Swift, Swift and, and Kanye. Kanye. Oh yeah, where neither of Kanye. them know, neither of them know that they're both <laughs> performing at the same halftime show. And they just fight. He's so great. <laughs> um, or even Selena Gomez. I'm surprised she's not up there. Uh. So for uh, Lady Gaga's Super Bowl halftime show, she will be performing on the roof, allegedly. Yeah, I hope she don't die. <laughs> uh, and her special guests will include Elton John, possibly Beyonce because of the, you said the set list. Well, the was leaked, leaked set list, but then I read another right before we went on that said that she shut down the rumor. So either 
like she shut down the room and it's for real not happening or she shut down the rumors so we can still have some ounce of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And the uh, and possibly Tony Bennett. That would be cool. That'd be Is very Tony cool Bennett idea. also going to be on the roof? He might have a heart attack, dude. He's pretty old. <laughs> that remains to be seen. What I'm hoping happens is Lady Gaga's on the roof and Elton John like ascends from the roof. <laughs> like he descends from the roof playing piano. Like that'd be awesome, right? But I don't think it's gonna happen. Like I, I'm still wondering how they're gonna get her up on the roof. Like I'm I'm kinda scared for her. Yeah. And like are they? Are they? Do they have to? Is the do the, when they start the game? Is the roof going to be open or closed? They gotta uh, close it, man. What that's, if it rains? Like I don't know. They gotta close it. If not, that's not gonna help the Falcons, man. We're a dome <laughs> <That> team. Is, <laughs> now that is an extremely long extension cord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know? Did you see what's on the set list? I didn't see what's on. I couldn't find the article with the set list. Okay. I just saw. A, um, there's a video, and I, I'll check it out later. But it has um, leaked footage of the rehearsal. From the stadium, um, I'm pretty sure like uh, applause is probably going to be on there. Yeah, some um, of the comments say that the stage is pretty small, like much smaller than they expected. Uh, so. Probably like Just Dance will probably be on there. Yeah, she said she's going to have the, uh, the video game. She'll have um, she's going to have like a, a songs from her entire career basically are going to be a part of it. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm hoping she opens with Perfect Illusion. That's what I'm hoping. But well, yeah, I think she's doing. Yeah, yeah. you got to have that one. I don't know what other. I haven't listened to the album yet, so I know there are other. I mean, it's got to be songs from the new album. Yeah. But yeah, all right. So yeah, another leak. Just dance. There's a video of her performing or practicing just dance. Born this way confirmed. Um. Yeah, let me see. I'm trying. I I don't see. I can't find the set. You list said the anymore. state is pretty small, but you said it's going to be the most expensive. Yeah, which is weird. Show. So that's why people are thinking like maybe this is just like a practice stage or something, but. Yeah, it's going to be a $10 million show. So it'll be the most expensive halftime show, according to NBC. Um, well, just to, and we're coming up, well, or maybe we just passed it. We're coming up on it. The 10th anniversary of Prince's halftime show mm. at the Super Bowl. Um, well, Brandon, if you if you watched many of these, uh, what do you, what's the best halftime show you've seen? Hmm. I would say... I would say it's a tie between that Prince performance and when Michael Jackson just stood there Ooh. for like ten minutes. <laughs> I I I remember watching that as a kid. Yeah, that was a that was good. that was the first one. I that was the first that was Super that was Bowl Atlanta, show. right? That was in that was at the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. Okay, yeah. okay. The he one hopped with, up out the stage and yeah. just stood there. Yeah. And what like I was watching, um, I saw this video. I think I don't know if it was from NFL Network or. Or Bleacher, I think it was NFL Network. They it was like the anniversary of that of that halftime show, and the guy who was um, like the director of the you know like take this camera, take this camera, mm-hmm. and he said he had made a deal with Michael to where like the cue to start the music was when he takes off his sunglasses. Yeah, and when he came out of the stage, like he just stood there and he's like. I, w- I was panicking because he's like, <laughs> I like, come on. It's like, and you, you can hear the audio of, of, um, the communication of the, you know, 
of, of the director, like behind this in the control mm-hmm. room or whatever. He's like, "Come on, Michael, come on, like, come on, what was he doing? Just like, come on, Michael, <laughs> let's go." And because everything is timed, timed you yeah. have to keep it tight. Uh, because mm-hmm. the Super Bowl halftime is thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and the show is supposed to be fifteen. Uh, and a normal NFL game, the halftime is fifteen minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, like he was just he he just, built he just continued to build this anticipation, and he's like I'm he's like I'm not he, and he kept saying I'm not going to jump the queue because this is the deal I made. <laughs> but he's like when he was standing, it's like it just every second felt like an eternity. Uh, and you know, and then when he finally did it, uh, he finally took off his sunglasses, and you know, it got started and everything. But it was, you know, people, they talked to people who were watching it and were saying, like, it's it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And it was kind of really the first um, and maybe the first one that I know of to where they got a superstar. Yeah. A mm. superstar to do to do the Super Bowl halftime show, because before then it was um, up with people. I, I still don't know what that is. <laughs> 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 or some kind of. um review with uh it was like Shanana and uh oh, just oh. some acts from the 50s some and 60s no uh yeah it, it, you know that that was the Super Bowl halftime show mm-hmm. and then you know a couple you know early on you know it could be like you know the great marching band that well mm-hmm. more specifically the great black college marching band <laughs> you know they get Grambling or Southern or, or Florida A&M you know somebody like that mm-hmm. um that was the halftime show a, f- a couple times, but you know, to get Michael Jackson, that kind of started it off to where um, you kind of felt like you kind of knew <laughs> what kind of where the NFL was going as far as their yeah. direction with who they got with the with the act. Like for a while, why y'all keep getting how y'all in Detroit and y'all don't do a Motown thing? <laughs> why do we have the Rolling Stones? You know, why do we have? Uh, I know one year was it was uh, Bruce Springsteen, which okay that's fine. Okay, why do we have the Who when only two of them are alive? <laughs> Safe guys. And what was funny is like this was it was that year it was broadcast on CBS. Like okay, they're gonna do all the songs. They're the theme songs, the CSI. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was re- and it was just Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend on Basically, the stage. Yeah. Like it it was so it was it was really weird. And then one year it was Paul McCartney. Yeah, um, Tom Petty. Tom, which Tom I did Petty not think because that, that like all those other bands made sense because they were international acts. Tom Petty's not an international <laughs> act. Like I like Tom Petty, but like you get played at at college bars. Like that's what you are, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. But like, you know, Zach Brown's not playing the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> so that's just you know. I mean, and it was a good performance because I mean, like most of these bands are like older. They've been doing it for a while. They don't miss their cues. Um, but God, other than like Bruce Springsteen, my God, were they boring? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and uh, until Prince just shut it down, man. Yeah. That that's that's the the best one I've seen is Prince. Yeah. But it, it just edges out Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the worst one I've seen was the one that had uh Aerosmith and NSYNC and Britney Spears. Spears and Nelly. Yeah, that wasn't that the Pepsi slash yeah, MTV the, one? The, yeah, the one produced God. by MTV. 
don't let them do it. Like Mm-mm. Britney Spears singing "Walk This Way." No, you no, you don't walk this way. <laughs> and I think they were. Um, I think that was when okay, everyone knew that Justin and Britney were together, and yeah. and I think they were wearing a lot of denim. Yeah. And, and leather and stuff. Yeah, that was, it was just it was. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. What and one of the weirdest was like it's in Houston this year, and the last time it was in Houston was the one with Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Really, that was the nipple slip. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. The wardrobe malfunction. The wardrobe. <laughs> that was that. Okay, okay. Um, I was uh, I was watching it, and I, I was watching it with with our friend Abe, mm-hmm. and. We were watching the halftime show, and it happened like if people watch it live, it was all like in less than a than half a second. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of looked at him like, did, "Did you see that? Was that, <laughs> did, did that did, what happened? Did I did it? Did that just happen? Mm-hmm. Did you see what just happened?" And uh, I didn't think about it like the rest of the game. Yeah. And then the very next day, <laughs> Nipplegate, <laughs> you know wardrobe malfunction people got like hd screenshots yeah back in when hd didn't really exist like it wasn't really a thing it wasn't a thing (laughs) um so yeah i mean i'm looking forward to lady gaga's halftime show um me too hopefully everyone stays safe because it looks like there's gonna be some stunts Mm -hmm. and uh and whatnot um we have some. Well, we have to mention quickly our the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100, which is again "Bad and Bougie" by the Migos. Can't get into it. <laughs> um, and the number one album is still "Starboy" by The Weeknd. Uh, have some new music this week from Faith Evans <laughs> and Biggie. Um, not Faith Evans and Tim McGraw like last week, <laughs> or Faith Hill and Biggie, <laughs> or Faith Hill and Biggie. That'd no. be good. So there's a duets album. Uh, I haven't really looked into it. It's like, are there more like unrecorded or, yeah. or unreleased verses from? We're always Biggie? hearing news. I don't know, man. Because it's kind of a weird thing. Like with Tupac, for me as well, is like for Tupac to have all of this stuff. Uh he had to have been in the studio every day for four years for four or five years. He was in the studio every day. And that sounds humanly impossible. Maybe he knew his, the end was coming, man. It's weird. And then with, with Biggie, he had like, okay, two bucks had like five or six, maybe more albums posthumously Mm -hmm. with Biggie. There were two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I heard him on various verses too. Yeah, but like the song with um, there's a song for the Tupac documentary that Eminem produced. Mm-hmm. There it was a song. It was a Biggie verse from one of his previous songs. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't something that was unreleased. Okay. And then there was something like completely. There was something unreleased from Tupac on that song. So I mean I don't know how much unreleased Biggie stuff is actually out there, but it, I think it's. It's kind of weird to, for for them to still be Doing all it. this unreleased yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. um, but hey, we'll see how it turns out. Or maybe they just remixed some some things, yeah, um, and made new songs out of it. Hopefully, there's no trap beats over it. I couldn't bear to hear that. Oh no! 
There might be trap beats over it. Like that, I'm I'm afraid that's you know, that might yeah. be a thing. The notorious trap. I don't want to. <laughs> want to hear that. Do not want. Oh man, that would be that would be the true bastardization of uh of a legend of a legend. Yeah, uh, that kind of reminds me. I watched a um. <clears throat> I've been finding more music documentaries on YouTube and I found one that uh, this guy made about Craig Mack. <laughs> Poor Craig Mack. And he would like never came out. He and and Biggie were that like they were supposed to like like <laughs> uh, spark bad boy together. Really? But uh, there was the relationship, the Craig Mack's relationship with Diddy went bad because he wanted Craig Mack to be what Biggie became with Ray to Die, to where um, there was a like a motif of like black exploitation films and mm. and being a, a more specific like the Mac and Superfly, you know, something like that. Yeah, having that kind of attitude. But Craig Mack wasn't like that at all. And he kind of, and he pushed against it all the time. (laughs) Like he, like the flavor in the ear, he didn't like that beat for that. Who didn't? Craig Mack. He didn't like it. I like that beat. It wasn't interesting. It wasn't, um, it it wasn't his style. Like, and he, like, uh, and he, like, easy, they talked to Easy Mo Beats. Like, he, like, he made the song. uh, Like, he bought all all these records. And then he woke up one morning. And he made this beat sitting in the, in the studio in his underwear, <laughs> his mm-hmm. beat. And he's like, yeah, I want to, like, I want to use that. I was like, okay, Craig Mack, this is going to be the beat for your, for your first single. And everybody around Craig is like, oh, this, this sounds good. Like, you, yeah, this is, this is going to be great. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know. And he resisted it for what seemed like months. Oh, wow. And then, probably- yeah. That's probably what happened in 2002 when he was supposed to change hip hop. <laughs> when he was on the special delivery remix. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't recall that remix really, but <laughs> according to Still, him, just his another album thing was supposed that... to drop in 2002, and it was going to change hip hop. I'm kind of sad now. I really like Flavor in the Ear. Uh, and there, there was another moment to where. Um, Eventually, like Craig Mack and Biggie did, weren't getting along, uh, and to where Biggie didn't want Craig Mack on his album on on Ready to Die. That's why he's not on there because mm. uh, mm. there was some some beef between them. I mean, I think they eventually resolved their differences, yeah. but for that was kind of a they weren't they weren't uh, getting along. That's why he's not on the album. I think for the song um, the song Warning. He was supposed to be on there, or it may have been another song that he was supposed to be on, but it just ended up being like Biggie talking. Like it was supposed to be somebody on the phone. Yeah. And then Biggie just did that part anyway. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, it was an interesting documentary. It, it's clearly an indie documentary to where like a lot of awkward camera angles, and the guy used a lot of uh, video clips from like just a few years ago, even though this was supposed to be like 1994. Yeah. <laughs> he was using a lot of like current video clips of Diddy. Anytime they mentioned Diddy, it was something that seemed like it was like last year. Oh, <laughs> and they kept calling him Diddy instead of Puff. It, you know, well, you know how that is. Yeah. But um, uh, as far as the story of it, you know, a lot of people um, 
Uh, said some pretty interesting things. So I didn't I didn't know that he didn't like the beat at all. I and like that he beat. resisted it <laughs> for as long as he could. Um, got some new music this week from uh, besides Faith and Biggie. We got Fetty Wap. <laughs> He's still around. <laughs> I don't know how, but hey, whatever. I figured he'd be gone by now too. Uh, Jadena is still around. I definitely figured he'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Big Sean, his album I Decided is out. Uh, Michelle Branch has a new single, oh, as yeah. Ben just told me. Uh, Sid, the lead singer of the internet, has a solo album that is out. Um, Depeche Mode is still around. Uh, Mariah Carey has a new song. <laughs> and it ain't good. Spoiler um, alert. <laughs> she's she's done the same. I think she was ahead of her time uh, 20 years ago by having rappers on her songs, like having rappers like crossover into like yeah. into pop songs, like Heartbreaker and yeah, yeah. Okay. Or um, uh, are you are you thinking of like Fantasy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the song uh, Honey. Yeah. Um, and you know that was, it was a new thing at the time in yeah. a way. She kind of hasn't really um, made any adjustments. Nah. I feel like. Well, I mean, and it. I guess it. I wouldn't mind it if the songs were better. <laughs> like that was a bad. That's just a bad song. I mean, like you, you can still do your thing, you know. Because um, she kind of came off of it for a bit, where she was like getting really poppy. But um, do your thing. Just make better music, man. That was just that. You took what could have been a cool beat, and it just turned it to trash. With the melody, it was just, just you know, and then she had YG. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, see, you know what I'm talking about. You know. You're better than this. Yes, I defend you. Um. So yeah, I, I guess she's trying to capitalize on the New Year's fiasco. I don't know how that's gonna fly, really, but. Anyway, um, and also, as Brandon told us before we started recording, Blondie has a new album. So those who are still into them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> who who's listened to have listened to anything since um, since Heart of Glass or the Rapture video. Yeah. Or um, <laughs> that, wait, did they do did they have a song called One Way or Another? Or is yeah. that the Pretenders? Yeah, that was them. That was okay. Blondie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and see, you can't even tell. <laughs> Blondie or the pretenders? Don't know. Um, yeah. So you got that. Uh, uh, well, another thing. Well, we have we're talking about the the Grammys are next week, and there was an article posted on Billboard about uh, a voter a voter uh, spills the truth on Beyonce and Adele's chances. Um. Uh, this voter said they voted for Drake to win album of the year, but they believe Lemonade will win uh, because of it's a it's a, the appropriate record of of today. Uh, uh, Brandon, what do you think about like something like that to where they they said they're rewarding they, this person who voted for Drake? They voted for him because they're rewarding a billion Spotify plays. Um, I'm not. What song was it specifically? I know there's. Dance, say, right? What song is it for? One dance had a billion. I think one. Yeah, I think it's one dance. Um. Yeah, one dance has over a billion plays. Um. Uh, and 
he has two other songs that are over half a million plays, but uh, they're rewarding that the popularity of the songs over Lemonade being a political record. Mm-hmm. And they said basically Adele, it's 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 well put together, but it's not as good as Twenty One. so um like as far as the nominees for album of the year do you like it's really between these three i mean uh who else is nominated was it sturdle simpson possibly yeah sturdle simpson had album of the year and rihanna i think i don't i think or justin bieber justin bieber yeah justin bieber's album yeah yeah so what what do you think of of uh well one of their of their reasoning for who they voted for and do you think that's like um fair or you know or, it's a weird, yeah. weird way to look at things they're reward so okay so they're rewarding the fact that he has so many plays on spotify right and that's that's their reasoning yeah <laughs> for picking him yes <laughs> uh i look a billion plays yeah so it's got to be good. At least it's got to be a good song. At least be okay. So <laughs> that's that's disheartening. I would hope these people actually listened to these albums. I've heard a lot of them don't. That's that's what I'd always heard. I I feel like they feel like they don't. Uh, yeah, I'm sure or or, or, may, or or probably somebody. There's probably like a few people that do. That's why, like some that are that get nominated, like I never even heard of this album. Yeah, like and it just came out of nowhere. And it's like the how we feel like the the Academy is going to try to reward the old person before they die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's how like that Robert Plant and Allison Krauss album. <laughs> was oh, I, was saying, I had no idea who yeah. Arcade Fire was until no one they did. won. <laughs> I had heard I had heard of them, but I heard like one song by them. But the song that I heard by them was not on the album that went no. out with the year. I heard the one before My that. body is a cage, and like Peter Gabriel covered it much better. Like it just wasn't. <laughs> yeah, like I, don't know, I didn't I didn't get that. Um, they also said for record of the year, they voted for "Stressed Out" by Twenty One Pilots, but they think that "Hello" is going to win. Hmm. Uh. Here's, they said, here's the thing with Hello, and I know it's sacrilege not to praise this one, but it felt like the fourth single from the previous record. Damn. Damn. This I don't think this guy likes what Adele. What did Adele do to this person? I don't, I don't know. Not release good music, apparently. Like. Uh, they said, uh, I didn't get it. I still don't get it. What I love about both Rolling in the Deep and Rumor Has It were the tempos. Leading with the tempo record is more exciting. Hello isn't exciting. I thought it was a good, I don't know. Yep. I thought it was a good move to lead with that song, but I mean, I don't know. The only other song I can think of from that album that would have been like that was maybe Water Under the Bridge. It was a little bit up-tempo, had like a nice little beat to it, but I mean, I guess to his case in point, Water Under the Bridge was not as strong of a single as Rolling mm-hmm. in the Deep. <laughs> and she's, she's the, I think, well, like, it's like I think we mentioned this before, that with hello, it was just it was the excitement of yeah. new Adele. Mm-hmm. A lot of people love Twenty One, and then three three years later, you get a new single from her, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, it just a lot of people were hungry for more from her. Yeah, 
So I think that's what helped push this album along. It was epic, though. It was an epic sound, like kind of like a slow build, but ultimately very simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, they also said that with, uh, I guess, choosing Beyonce versus Rihanna, they say, uh, I'm ADHD, actual diagnosis. So uh, oh. <laughs> with that in mind, <laughs> I love that formation is so skittery and jumpy because that's how my brain works. It has the best 45 seconds ever at the top of the song. Lyrically, it's great. That said, I just don't think it's melodically memorable enough for song of the year. Beyonce is an incredible artist, but song wise, she's a bit overrated. Thank you. How many times have I said this? That is my whole point behind her. To conclude, it says she's so iconic at this point that it's become less about songs. I'll take Rihanna's singles over Beyonce's every day. Thank you. I, I respect him now. <laughs> Brandon, what do you think about that? You know, I'd, I'd give him that. I'd give him that. Yeah. I, yeah. Because with, with Beyonce, it's more of a... If you take the spectacle spectacle of it yeah. all out of it, it's you end up with an okay song. Mm-hmm. You take As, away the performance from last year. You take away the music video. Yeah, you're left with a very average song. Yeah. Some might right. even say below average. <laughs> and, uh, okay. And they say the Nader vote. Um, Chance the Rapper is a lock. This is for Best New Artist. My personal favorite is Anderson Pack, but I don't think he has a shot. I voted for him. It was like voting for Ralph Nader. Oh, that's what they said. Chance okay. is an absolute movement, and it's an indie record, which is even crazier. Uh, what do you think about Chance the Rapper for Best New Artist? Hmm. I'm torn. <laughs> I'm torn because I want Anderson Pack so bad to have that, but I also want Chance the Rapper to have that too. I don't, I'm torn between those. Two. I would like it if neither of them won, just because I still believe in the Jinx. <laughs> you know, uh, if it was that yeah. uh, that one uh, country singer who I'd never heard of, Shelby Lynn. If it was a Shelby Lynn <laughs> type art, I can't remember her name. No, but, didn't Nora Jones win that too. Yeah, yeah, Nora Jones. That's from the Spalding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people like. I think lately, uh, artists who have won, they've had some success after. Like, mm-hmm. I think Adele has won it. Yeah. Um. Uh, Alicia Keys mm-hmm. has won it. I think so. Yeah, Maroon Five. Uh, Maroon Five. But you know, I want like someone who's. Uh, like a Shelby Lynn or an Evanescence oh. <laughs> to win the award. <laughs> mm. um, you know, and uh, kind of, okay, yeah. you've, you've had your time now. So in that regard, maybe the chain smoker should win. <laughs> They're nominated? Okay, yes. Give it to there the chain smokers. Chain smokers. That would be my minutes. vote just to get them out of the way. <laughs> The Nickelback of EDM. <laughs> <laughs> that stings. <laughs> that is so hilarious. Um, I was seeing what. Uh, look at um. Oh, this was more spread out than I thought. There was a predictions page on Billboard, but we'll skip past that. Mm. Uh, just real quick, John Lithgow is going to be on in Pitch Perfect Three. Why is there another one of those? The Um, critic. (laughs) uh, What if he was reprising his role as 
The Critic. You ever seen that cartoon? I think you oh, think of John yeah. Lovitz. That's John, John Lovitz. Ah, it's yeah. Now, if they could get John Lovitz in there as the critic, yeah. Jay now, Sherman. <laughs> if John Lithgow was reprising a role, it would be as the uh, preacher dad from Footloose. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he has another daughter or granddaughter that he doesn't want singing. He Is it something? doesn't want to sing. <laughs> Oh my god, they can totally connect the two. I don't know, now I kind of want John Lovitz and there's Jay Sherman. <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny. They might try to make that work. <laughs> or even just have John Lovitz do a, such a, long time, a live critic. action version of the critic and like he's just the critic. You know, he's just... It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I love John Lovitz. Um, let's see if there's something else that we had. Oh, well, that yeah, that that's that's enough. Uh, we talked about um, the Migos. You know, I feel like <laughs> I feel like Donald Glover's not getting enough credit for this for the current pop success of Migos. Of Migos, he, he, I don't think he's getting enough credit. Yeah, he he seems like a selfless guy. I think he's yeah. with it. He got he, he does. He's he definitely his, uh, Was it the Golden Globe? Hmm? Was it Emmys or Golden Globe? He it's got, a Golden Globe. He got his Golden Globe. He's good. He's like, I'm a man. They, it, well, he'll be eligible for the Emmys later this year. Gotcha. <laughs> um, I don't know if he'll thank them again, <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like he uh, putting him in, in his speech and, you know, that ceremony is seen in front of people around the world. Mm. So I, I, I feel like that's that's what helped it get to number one. Yeah, that's bad and bougie. <laughs> Who are the Migos? Are they from Spain? And it was funny seeing the reactions of people like, "Who? What? What is he talking the Migos? about?" Ooh. Like your kids love them. Trust me. Like your kids <laughs> love Migos. Um. So yeah, that will. Uh, I think that yeah, that'll be it for our music news segment. By far the longest one we've had, actually. <laughs> Because Beyonce was, <laughs> Beyonce was pregnant. This all began with Beyonce being pregnant. Um, so, Ben, uh, what's your earworm of the week? Oh, yeah. I made a playlist called the Falcons Rise Up playlist. Oh, God. And then the song, the first song I put on there is by a band called Arrows to Athens. It's called The Waiting. Um, Because we've been waiting for this. Atlanta, we've been waiting for this. I listened to it all day this morning, which makes no sense when I say that. I listened to it a lot this morning because I'm just hyping myself up. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Waiting. Okay. So we have The Waiting by Arrows to Athens from what looks like an EP called Kings and Thieves. Oh, no. It's an album. Yeah. Uh, they had another EP after that. So... This is The Waiting by Arrows to Athens, and we'll be right back. Done will never leave and fades to 
All right, that is The Waiting by Arrows to Athens from their album Kings of Thieves. Wait, let me make sure I have that title right. <laughs> now I'm not so sure. Kings and Thieves. And uh, Ben put it on a playlist in preparation for the Atlanta Falcons appearance in the Super Bowl. Yep. When I rode to work this morning, I was just hyping myself up, man, <laughs> for work. Like it's just... <laughs> I'm so ready for Sunday. I can't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, So um, we have a new segment. I'm not sure if we did this one when you were on with this brand. I don't think we had it, had the segment yet. Nope. But the segment called uh, our indie Instagrammer of the week. I want to get a good one, man. We've had, we've had a pretty good streak going. (laughs) Um, well, we'll, we'll see. Um, (laughs) Let me make sure I had his. I just saw his name. Okay, there it is. All right, we'll see if he's on Spotify. This week's artist, his name is Jermaine Fleur. Okay, all right. And you can follow okay. him at Jermaine Fleur on Instagram. Uh, I really hope this is the same guy. Uh, I can't. I can't tell. <laughs> uh, uh well it hmm I that's got it's a unique enough name. This has to be him. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it like that. Jermaine Floor. Jermaine Floor. Jermaine F L E U R. So okay, uh, like, yeah, the French spelling flower. Uh, at first look, he looks like Justin Guarini. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, so um, right there. So, uh, I thought it was someone who changed their name, but no, uh, this is a different guy. He does look like Justin Guari. <laughs> Can't fool us. We know it's you, Justin. Okay. <laughs> so the song that we're going to play by him is called what I need. Uh, it's on Spotify and, um, we'll play a little bit of it. And, uh, as, uh, people who have not, who are not familiar with this segment, we pick an artist who liked one of our Instagram posts and we listen to their song for the very first time. Uh, we have not, we have not listened to this song. We have not, we are not familiar with this artist in any way. So uh, let's check it out. This is what I need by Jermaine floor. song is have it seven and a half minutes oh, okay. Uh, um, yeah you're not joking he does look just like Justin Garini that is creepy like a mix between Justin Garini and Corbin Bleu is this a remix or something he does look like an EDM artist yeah um okay. 
I'm not even gonna add that on the list. So we'll play the radio edit of the song that was in, that was the link in his Instagram. Okay. So this is the right artist. Okay. Um, just that song was, yeah. We don't know when we're gonna get to the drop <laughs> on that one. Uh, so there's a song that um, he put a link in his Instagram. It's a song called uh, "A Song." <laughs> That's the name of the song. A song. Okay. Uh, uh, it's a song by Heimlich featuring Jermaine Floor. So, uh, take it, he's a vocalist, and we'll okay. play that one. Okay. Wanna run to you, wanna hold you in my arms, wanna tell you you're mine. Wanna run to you, wanna hold you in my arms, wanna tell you you're mine. Why don't we count it? Best mistakes, and I can't get my head around. So I'm gonna guess then Heimlich is the, is the DJ and he's yeah. the singer, but it's just a very boring song. Like it ain't go nowhere. I'm waiting for a drop, but the song's almost halfway over. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is. We can't all be Zed. <laughs> Can't be the chain smokers either. No. <laughs> the chain smokers would made a better song. Um so yeah, I mean maybe that's more on I mean, I don't mind Jermaine Floor's vocals on it. Um, but I don't think he was I don't know if he wrote the song, but it does the song doesn't seem to be going anywhere. No, it's just very I think that the the whistle part was supposed to be the drop. I think yeah, that was yeah, supposed I, to be Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It it just it was very bland and boring and just no. Yeah, direction. I thought it was gonna be like something that okay, it's one of those songs that that you dance to, but mm-hmm. with the whistle parts, like it's you just do like the saddest two step. Yeah. <laughs> Sad two step. Um, I I have to yeah. say, hearing the name Jermaine Floor, I thought I was getting David Ruffin vibes. Just the name Jermaine Floor <laughs> just sounds like soulful yeah but then he looked like justin guarini which i maybe not so much david ruffin Mm-mm. but still on the soulful side david softer but <laughs> we got softer zed yeah yeah um so yeah sorry the streak is over yeah it's all good but hey go back and listen to carmen perez and yeah. the brandon carmen brown perez collective really good. i still listen to the brandon brown collective that's on my playlist so yeah, check them out. Um, but hey, they can't all be winners. Um, so let's get into our our main topic of the evening, and uh, we we won't keep you keep you too late here, Brandon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we started the song. We started the the podcast off with "All Right" by Janet Jackson from her album "Rhythm Nation," eighteen fourteen. Wait, I want to get I want to get the the title right. Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, eighteen fourteen. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that is a an album. Uh, it was her second album that uh, in which she worked with uh, the great producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard the collaboration between those three is one of pop music's greatest marriages. To me. I yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like easily one of pop music's greatest marriages. Um, I'm not even sure like how they met or like how they, you know, constructed her sound. Um, I posted on Instagram that it started with a snowstorm. Um, (laughs) Because uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were part of. um, I kind of I kind of get it confused. Like, were they was Flight Time their own band, or was that the previous name of the time? Yeah. Um, I I get I, that. I believe mixed up. Flight Time was a separate band. Yeah, but because I, I remember watching a, you know how Red Bull does the lectures for certain artists. They were on there, mm-hmm. and I believe I remember him saying that Flight Time was a band they were in. Well, at least Jimmy was in, and then the time was a separate band with Morris, and then they came together. Okay, um, yeah, that's how it looks like here. Like they were in a band called Flight, which evolved evolved into the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, they were joined by Morris Day, and they toured with Prince. Um, and as members of the time, they played instruments on two of the group's five albums, Pandemonium and Condensate. Um, and, uh, they were mentored, which I, I'm just reading now. They were mentored by Leon Silvers, uh, who wrote for the Silvers, of course, (laughs) and and a lot of other artists, um, probably one of the more underrated songwriters of, of that era of the, like the seventies and eighties. Um, if he was able to do what he wanted to do as according to the unsung episode about the silvers, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if he was able to write the songs that, um, that he, that, you know, that he liked writing if those, or if those were singles, we would have looked at the silvers a totally different way. Mm. Um, and, uh, but as far as the, the snowstorm, the blizzard, uh, they were both fired from by Prince from a tour after a blizzard left them unable to rejoin uh, the uh, after a short break to produce music for the SOS band. Yeah. And uh, that kind of like sparked their, their, you know, prominence as, as songwriters and producers. Um, and it would, they, because they, I, because Prince fired them because he didn't feel like they were they they cared enough <laughs> to get to the studio or wherever they were because of this blizzard. Like when I saw that, I was like, "That sounds like something Prince would do." Yeah. So like, you like, guys are great, but you guys didn't try hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, y'all could try to fly here, like you, you know, snowmobiles, um, skis. Yeah, you, you, you know, I don't feel like the effort was there. <laughs> I mean. Look at what we got from it, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my my first introduction to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis is is obviously Janet Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh, 
my mom has the control album on a 45 or at least the song on yeah. a 45. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, and I think they kind of, they, I think it was Janet Jackson's like third album control. And if it weren't for them, I don't know what Janet Jackson, she might've focused more on acting, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, Brandon, what was your introduction to to uh, to these guys? I would have to say where I actually knew of them, it would have to be the Heartbreak album from New Edition. Okay. Can You Stand the Rain specifically? Because hmm. for a very long time, I didn't know I didn't know I didn't know they were Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, but I knew the music. That That's like I could remember can you stand the rain being the first thing that I wrote? Oh, that was by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. But they did, of course they did a bunch of things before that. Yeah. Um, that kind of, they were, I think they were already established with, yeah. you know, with Janet Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess for people older than us, you know, maybe they know of them from, uh, uh, SOS band, like SOS. And, uh, Alexander O'Neill <laughs> uh-huh. and Sherelle. Um, I think, uh, Sherelle, uh, Tender Love yeah. by the Force, yeah, MDs. by the Force MDs. Yeah, um, let's play some Sherelle. I'm not playing Saturday Love. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> well, at least not yet. I'm not playing that yet. Um, now this, uh, this was. The, the cover of it by Robert Palmer was one of my earworms, but this is the original. I didn't mean to turn you on. Ah, uh, yeah. And I think in the original video, in the in Sherelle's video, um, like King Kong is coming after her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of those strange early '80s videos, of course. Yeah, well, um, I mean, a lot of those videos are kind of odd. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, for, for the, um, the crowd older than us, they're, they're familiar with that. Um, with those artists with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, um, I found out like recent, like fairly over the last few years that, oh, they did the SOS band stuff too. Um, you know, there, I think in every city, there's always that one station that plays specifically that era of R and B music, Mm -hmm. like from the the late 70s not really the disco stuff yeah mm-hmm. but that early eight that early 80s stuff where there's a lot of sense mm-hmm. um you know stuff like like evelyn champagne king <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know like uh uh artists like her and there's always that one station that that plays their music speci- that music specifically and it's always at like like the, the the drive home from work, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. so between like three and six. And I see a lot of it riding car. My mom, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, like uh, SOS band is one of those bands I would hear all the time, and it was always um, uh, it was always this song. This is just just be good to me by the SOS band. It was always this song, or tell me if you still care. <laughs> it was always one of those. 
um, uh, according to the 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 little bio the bio here about about them, um, they are known for using the Roland TR eight hundred eight. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, Legendary drum, yeah. <laughs> drum machine. Um, Man, and uh, I've since I've heard this, <laughs> <laughs> they were they were introduced to Janet Jackson and they produced Control. That was 1986, and they won um, their first Grammy for that. That kind of put them on the map right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think with with that, you know, um, and. Uh, I think part of it was like, I think it was, it was a, it was kind of a shot in the dark mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of like, let's take a chance on this because like I said, control was Janet's third album. The first mm-hmm. two, like nobody, a lot of people think control is Janet's first album. Just think, like, what was her first, what were her I'm first? Say, I sure did till just yeah. now. Uh, her first album was self-titled and her second album was called dream street. Um, let's see if I can if I can pull her albums up real quick the first one was uh, yeah self-titled and it was it was on AM. Uh, she worked with who'd she work with on this album uh, Renee Moore and Angela Winbush you know, from the Renee and Angela duo okay um, they wrote uh, half the songs and Oh. She also worked with the Silvers. Mm. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the cover now. Good lord, it looks very poppy. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't. I look. She made. She made this on them like New Edition does with the Blue Moon. Yeah. <laughs> um, she don't talk about this. And then uh, with Dream Street, uh, she worked with uh, Giorgio Moroder, and Ooh. um. Um, it looks like Marlon Jackson, her brother, Marlon, <laughs> wrote a couple of songs. And uh, that didn't do too well. I don't I don't even know what kind of... Uh, they were trying to make Bubblegum Soul. Yeah. So yeah, we're just going <laughs> to say Control was her first album. Yeah, so <laughs> Control is Janet's first album. First real album. <laughs> the f- <laughs> when she was woke. <laughs> so let's play some, some Janet real quick. Um and uh yeah so they won um let's see what kind of rewards they the awards they got here uh they won they well jimmy jam and terry lewis won producer of the year at the grammys yeah first year they were nominated actually yeah um this is i think part of part of like with the success of control is okay um People wanted Janet to be successful. Uh, I think she was on. I don't know if she was on Different Strokes still at the time. Yeah. Uh, and people wanted something. They were hoping for something as far as uh, something to hold them over until Michael Jackson's next album. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't expect <laughs> this though. But not not expecting this at all. Um. Using uh, using um, 
well, it's, it's you know, it is R&B and it's, you know, post-disco, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the synthesizers and, you know, it kind of, it was, it was really one of those game-changing albums for yeah. them. Um, I'm trying to see how much it sold. Uh, let me uh, see. Which I didn't realize there were seven singles from it. This was a different time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with, we were talking about Bad, were there nine singles? Yeah, like <laughs> everything but like two tracks, I think, um, were, let me see here, commercial performance, uh, 10 million copies. So it's Diamond. Yeah. Um, with this putting Janet Jackson on the map and really putting uh, Jam and Lewis out there, yeah. Um, like, what what do you th- what what sticks out to you as as far as like even if not with Control but with any other any of their productions? What kind of sticks out to you? The syncopation. I mean, it was, and you can kind of. I mean, you know, kind of go back to how we talked about um, Teddy Riley. You can hear some of the influence that he got. Like they were kind of when you when you're like an actual a musician that's a producer. Like you have a little bit more of a grasp of how of arrangement. So like not only are you able to write you know good melodies and ca- and catchy things like that, but you have a real gift for arrangement. Like some of their arrangements that they put together. This is why I have a, just more of an affinity for older music, older pop music. Um, is because like their arrangements were just so intricate, um, and you really hear it w- when they're like throwing in synth and then like you know electric piano and things like that. There's a lot of different play between like the synth and the piano and the drums. Like it's not just everything's not just following one kind of central rhythm. Everything's kind of put together. And it like, but it, it fits so well. Like everything's doing its own thing, but it fits so well. Uh, what about you, Brandon? It, exactly that. <laughs> but also, I am a fan of the vocal production, especially mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. specifically with Janet and I would say New Edition, but more so Ralph Tresvent himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It would it, have you thinking. Yeah. It would have you thinking. How many times did they make him? make them dub over these vocals yeah. to where it sounds like it's a choir of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of, it so, kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, you heard this song, uh, I'm not in love by 10 CC mm-hmm. to where they, um, they just created this wall of sound. vocal, this vocal. wall of sound with vocals. Um, I think, I don't know if they were inspired by that at all, but <laughs> you kind of get that as far as the background vocals go mm-hmm. uh, with them on the, it's more, definitely with, with Janet Jackson yeah. and mm-hmm. they, the background vocals fill the space and it makes it like just as important as yeah. the rest of the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's definitely something that, um, that, it's kind of it's a signature of theirs to mm-hmm. where the background vocals are going to be you're, you're going to remember that part yeah. at least um now uh i think what they uh probably one of the more interesting um artists that they worked with just because if you listen to what they've what they made before 
or probably just the one song you know them for before, <laughs> and then the song they made for them later is the Human League. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrote and produced uh, "Human" by the Human League, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> um, and uh, oh, yeah, so smooth. <laughs> like I think this song charted. This is on the R and B charts. Yeah. Too. <laughs> well, I mean, if you listen to it, I mean, where, where, where's Human League from? Are they from Germany? Or I they think from? they're from. I think they're from the UK. From the UK, yeah. Check. Like this song is so like like you listen to this. Yeah. And then you listen to yeah, what was the other they're song? From Don't you want me, baby? Yeah. Night and day. <laughs> like not even close. <laughs> it's, too, it's two different. Yeah. It's two different groups. Uh, well, it kind of was. I mean, yeah. um, from watching the the Top of the Pops documentaries, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they talked to Human League, and when they first got together, uh, the lead singer Phil Oakey. Uh, he met um, I can't remember the, the two girls' names, but they're the they're those three there on this song, and when this album came out, it was just those three. Oh. <laughs> but mm. but he met them. I think he met them at like a dance club in England, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, you guys look cool. I, I have this band," <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we don't sing. Like, eh, we'll worry about that later." Oh, <laughs> um. But yeah, this was, it's one of those, those few moments where, um, you, uh, where black people may get confused about yeah. what mm-hmm. race the singer is. You know, LF uh, you both know, sampled this beautifully. I have to play yeah. that for you later. Oh, you've heard, have you heard it? I've heard it. Okay. Yeah. It's hilarious, right? <laughs> but no, there's I also a, song, um, there's also a cover that I really like of, um, uh, Fonte from Little Brother, and he now he's the frontman for the the Foreign Exchange. Mm-hmm. Him and Zoe, uh, a producer for the Foreign Exchange, and he's an artist in his own right. They made like this mixtape of '80s covers. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And uh, Human is on Human is on there. Um. So you probably like find it find it on you can search there like. Zoe and Tigolo sing the '80s. It's something like that. Okay. But you can search it on YouTube and listen to one, listen to their cover of it. But um, yeah, it's this is one of those songs to where like it's it's one of those like if if you know you were gonna tell someone about Jam and Lewis, yeah, this is one of those like essential mm-hmm. songs. Um, yeah, and. Once you hear it, like you know that's by you know that's Yeah, that's the it has that chord I was talking yeah. about right here. <laughs> like it just has that chord. Like you can they love that they they love that progression. Um and like I was saying, you hear it in God, we name, what songs did we name you? You hear it in Can You Stand the Rain, you hear it in the Rain Come Back to Me. Come back yeah. to me. AKA Bussa Baby. Like you hear, <laughs> <laughs> Like you hear it in those songs. Um, so to me, when I think of them outside of like, you know, they're more up tempo. I think it's in sensitivity as well. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, They just, they, they love that sound. Um, so like, of course, when they made, can you stand the rain and you, in, in the movie, of course, you know, you see them in the booth, um, and they kind of like give each other a high five, like we got another hit. (laughs) It's like, they just like, they just were like, how should we do this? Another one. Just go back to that chord progression, man. Just go back. (laughs) 
um and also getting with connecting with that movie uh is that how they dress all yeah. the time <laughs> never turn off the suits when they first got there the studio at the party <laughs> when they go to bed that's like <laughs> suit fedora Sunglasses. sunglasses even at night because that's that's not how they looked when they were with the time <laughs> no um from the picture i know like i saw uh terry lewis he was in a he was in a suit mm-hmm. but he didn't have on a hat and <laughs> um and uh i guess one thing that was always interesting to me is that with with jimmy jam was that ponytail yeah, um, I liked it. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't like it didn't bother me, but like, hey, you know, you you know, you could recognize him from far away. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, I think of another. Well, and uh, you know, kind of wanted to do this episode like right after watching the miniseries, just because of how. Um, I I think there's there's not enough appreciation for new editions heartbreak album i feel like a, a little bit mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Uh, only because it was um uh, it was a, a radical departure from what they had done previously yeah uh with the songwriters they work with with the um there was no real concept for those albums. I mean, like if, if you watch the mini series or like, we want to do what we, with you guys, what we did with Jan's control. Her was, her was about growing up and becoming, mm-hmm. um, and taking control and being a woman. And for you, it's from growing from, uh, from boys Mr. to some grown ass men. Um, I thought they you had that voice to men song written on. Into a chocolate boy. It's a chocolate <laughs> You know, um, giving New Edition a more mature sound, and uh, I think that you know a lot of people have. I think, like, maybe if you're a fan of New Edition, like the most basic fans mm-hmm. of New Edition, probably don't look at those first three albums at all. Well, and definitely not Under the Blue Moon. Well, I I, I don't know. <laughs> like, and see, I should ask my sister because I know. Um, other than, of course, you know, I said Home Again was my first real exposure to them. But then I found later, I found um, the the album with Cool It, cool it Now. Yeah, I found that album and listened to those songs on there. Um, and so, like, so she had all of those records. She knew all of them. Um, but I, I should ask her opinion, like, you know, because usually she has a pretty good memory as far as, like, you know, what things were like back then. Um, just ask her, like, what did you think when Heartbreak came out? Like, she probably, oh, they got older and fine and. Like, I just, that's just what I, I imagine she would say because I mean what year did that come out? It was 1988 so and she graduated in 92 so she was probably starting ending middle school starting high school growing up with them so yeah Um, they are uh, did we mention this? Or probably we start before we start recording they're Academy Award nominees uh, for writing oh, the yeah, song yeah, again yeah, for again, yeah. Poetic Justice Mm. I, I wonder why they haven't been approached to really like kind of have that opportunity. Again. I don't know. I mean, cause honestly I had forgotten that they kept working into the nineties. Yeah. Um, until I went back and saw, they did a lot on the velvet rope. Um, and they did, um, 
and they did more they did more stuff later like with her on more albums i mean they've been working with her for a while yeah it's, yeah it's still over 30 years yeah i didn't realize that um so yeah that does make me wonder why i don't know if maybe people saw them as a novelty act but i mean they were still successful with her into like well into the 90s so like i i don't know um Maybe they just never wanted to. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, trying to. Um, I don't. Know, maybe or maybe it was like it was too. I don't know, too black or you know it's not diverse. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean they work with lots of different artists and who I I will you may hear them and maybe th- their <laughs> songs are are different or they have different personalities. Um, I think they've. They're kind of in different. Um, uh, I think like the song song concepts are are different. Yeah. I think they have they definitely have that definitive sound yeah. and and other trademarks. But it doesn't every yeah. you know songwriting you know group every I mean songwriter or songwriting group they all have their own sound that's distinctively theirs. You know, I think that with a lot of I mean maybe it's not that they haven't had that opportunity again, but it's really just a handful of black songwriters that have even been nominated for Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Like Isaac Hayes, he's one, uh, Prince, mm-hmm. um, Lionel Richie, Stevie wonder, and then three, six mafia. <laughs> 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 uh, but it's a, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty small group, but I feel like them getting into, films i thought that was gonna you know if you if you look at the production that they've done you know they um they produced the mo money soundtrack yeah and maybe that was it was going to lead to more work i don't know if it was something that they um decided not to pursue or there was a different reaction to that soundtrack or maybe because the movie isn't that great um (laughs) And maybe that hurt it. Much better than the movie. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, I thought that that's probably what they would have eventually gone into. You know, um, because they, uh, I don't know, they just had that kind of. There was a there's a cinematic feel to a lot of their songs as well. Mm -hmm. I think, Um, you know, and they worked with someone who. Uh, has cinematic feels to his songs yeah. being of Prince. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was one more music news thing that I forgot. Uh, uh, Prince's catalog may be available on Apple Music and other platforms on February 12th. Oh, finally. Mm. I've been missing some Prince, man. <laughs> so uh, there may be, uh, he may be coming back to Spotify. I don't want to get title. I refuse to get title. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, everyone look out for that. Um, but yeah, I think I feel like their songs had uh, had a cinematic feel to it. Um, one of their more interesting endeavors to me is they got into gospel music. Yeah, it uh, sounds of blackness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, I've heard the, the three songs that I have on the list, I've heard in, in three different occasions uh optimistic uh heavy rotation on bet yeah um in the early 90s uh 
the song The Pressure, uh, actually named The Pressure Part One, for anyone <laughs> who has seen the Sinbad cinematic masterpiece, First Kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that song's in that. And the song Joy uh, is on the Mo Money soundtrack. Yeah. So, um, but they, they worked on, on those songs and it, I, it had a chance to go somewhere like the, the album was called the evolution of gospel. Really? So maybe they, they were, they were a little cocky about <laughs> what they had made, uh, but yeah. understandably, but, um, you know, I think it with, I think with gospel music, anybody, anytime somebody does something a little bit different, it's controversial yeah. automatically, you know, God's um, property controversial. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he's sampling secular music <laughs> and that's not, I guess that's not necessarily a good idea, but Kirk Franklin has made a, we'll do a Kirk Franklin episode one day. That'd be interesting. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. Um, because he still made a career out of it. Yeah, he did. And because of Kirk Franklin, you have Dietrich Haddon and um, uh, Tone or whatever name he goes by these days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, getting into into gospel music, you know, I think most, I guess you would say most of their stuff, it will be considered pop, but kind of like the I mean, it's still it's still R and B, but it still had that. It's got some adult contemporary feel to it too. Yeah, which yeah. is why I love it yeah. so much. Um, and while they had that definitive sound in the in the eighties, mm-hmm. I think in the nineties uh, there was some stuff that I guess you you can look at Janet Jackson's Velvet Rope. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still they're still writing songs, but they didn't have the same sound that they did in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. You know, they were um, able to evolve <laughs> and adapt with the times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they, cause they, what they did, you, we go, well, they did most of Velvet Rope. So they had, you know, we go deep. Um, this mm-hmm. song, which is a, like, this song yeah, is beautiful. This like this is, yeah. Like, so yeah, they still had it going and they did, they did, um, they would, uh, they would sample things, mm-hmm. you know, they, sampled Joni Mitchell here another Janet Jackson song they sampled uh, they sampled Change or some people would say Luther Vandross but because he's saying lead vocals on the song um, uh, but they I guess they weren't they weren't afraid of doing that yeah. I don't, you know who knows how songwriters are to where they're are they like <laughs> fiercely they want they fiercely want to be original yeah. um, or do they draw from other things and yeah, I thought that I thought this was like, and then the, well, this song. song okay you get Q-tip and then you sample Joni Mitchell who thinks mm-hmm. of sampling Joni Mitchell exactly <laughs> no exactly and that's what makes it such an original sample because it's like you're taking a folk singer <laughs> and sampling her in an R&B song in the 90s like who thinks of that with Q-tip exactly it, yeah it, <laughs> and to me that shows musical intelligence like you can, I can typically, you can tell the diversity of a writer or producer from, especially in, I guess mostly in hip hop really with what they choose to sample. So like, this isn't something that you just pulled out of thin air. Like at some point you probably listened to big yellow taxi and you were familiar mm-hmm. with that song. You're like, let's, let's make something around that. 
like so that lets me know that you have a you have a, a, a high music iq to where you're will you can venture outside of what you like yeah we play r&b and jazz and soul but like every now and then i like to listen to some joan baez or some or like you know or some Joni mitchell or something like like you know i like to listen to that he probably he probably likes this song like he typically will sample what you like so yeah that's and that's what that says to me there's some musical intelligence there and i like that um a lot of uh i mean along with you know uh with janet jackson uh they've had some i saw the list okay they have uh uh they're among the handful of producers <laughs> i don't know how many others there are but they've had number one hits in three consecutive decades within the eighties and the nineties, 2000. So of course with Janet Jackson, um, and then, uh, with boys to men and usher. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, you can go eighties, nineties, two thousands like that. Um, I, well, Brandon, what, um, what's another thing that maybe we haven't discussed it, that kind of, uh, that makes Jam and Lose such a, a special duo as far as like uh, appreciation that people that you know that uh, like us would have for them. What sticks? What's another thing that sticks out to you? Uh, man, <laughs> the Jordan Knight record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me pull that up. Let's. Uh, Jordan Knight of well, New like, Kids on the Block. I didn't know that was them. It is such a like I always thought as a kid, like when I was younger in high school, like that beginning part, like that's kind of smooth. Like who did that? And then it turns into a pop lock fest. Exactly, it really does. It's a, he popped and locks in the video, doesn't he? I think yeah, so. Yeah, they're like yeah. at a carnival or something. Yeah, yeah. The chorus. It sounds like it was. <laughs> um, it had like that. Miami base or Atlanta base, depending yeah. on what you know, how you how you hear it. But that's what the chorus sounds like. Yeah, if you me. listen to this part, da 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 da, like that's. Was this really written for Jordan Knight? Like, right? <laughs> I'm gonna look it up because I'm not I'm not so sure. Because this sounds like this sounds like those so so deaf remixes that yeah. <laughs> Oh, along with uh, Jimmy Jam Materialist producing and co-writing this song, it was uh, another co-writer, well, Jordan Knight and Robin Thicke. What? Really? Listening to it, listening to it now, that makes sense. Yeah, because it's Vocally very sexually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Robin Thicke was writing way back then. Okay, okay. Oh. I, yeah, I didn't know he was that, he was active then. This song then transitions to an up-tempo freestyle chorus. That's that's the way to put it. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, free freestyle, uh, freestyle as far as like, um, or uh, it might have been known as Latin hip hop in the late '80s and the early '90s. Mm. Um, I kind of would do an episode about that <laughs> because it's everyone had it was kind of like hair metal to where you each single was you it was a certain kind of single mm -hmm. and it was always in the same order. Um, but yeah, I mean, this—if it was a freestyle single, it's probably be something that somebody like a Sweet Seduction or uh, George Lamond would have done. For anyone who knows who they, who knows who they are, um, 
um oh yeah and it was based on Greece the video yeah. for this song mm. so it looks like Robin Thicke did a little bit more on this album than just that song it says then unknown Robin Thicke that's crazy so yeah he co-wrote on at least five other songs that's crazy huh okay I wonder did he produce okay well of course I know um so he was okay I knew it then because uh I can never take the place of your man of course a Prince Prince. cover but Thick was one of the producers it was just Robin Thick and Jordan Knight wow that's because they I think they they slowed it down yeah very well yeah they slowed it down because the song is 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 an up-tempo song yeah it's very it's Um, yeah yeah it's a slow jam the way they do it um Apparently, there's a 95 South remix of Give It To You. <laughs> Interesting. It sounds... It might sound exactly <laughs> like this. <laughs> that's what, that's what that, uh, it reminds me of. Um, but that's crazy. So, Robin... Okay. Nah, huh. Interesting. I wonder, um, did Robin Thicke get his start because of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis? They were like, hey, Alan's kid, you can sing. You can sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Alan Thicke, yeah, man. Alan's kid, man. I... I heard a man you can blow. Well, uh with Robin Thick, um his vocal Al Jarreau paid for his demo and then Brian McKnight uh listened to it. Mm. Hey, we well, got a celebrity like dad, man. Spears jokingly <laughs> named him Brian McWhite. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going back. That's corny. <laughs> Brad McWhite. Uh, so pays to have a celebrity dad. Alan Thicke, rest in peace. Oh, um, God. And Okay, so they really... they Okay, so this is funny. Looking at more credits on this album, the Jordan Knight album, they really brought... Um, they really brought Minneapolis Stokely Williams, the lead singer of Mick Condition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Condition. Oh, wow. yeah, he played percussion on the Jordan Knight record. <laughs> Oh yeah, yep. They brought. They <laughs> really brought. <laughs> oh God, yeah. They brought uh, Minneapolis with them, and then um, apparently Big Jim Wright, who played piano in Sounds of Blackness, also played on the record. <laughs> they brought Minneapolis. <laughs> oh man, you need a job? You play something? Like... Play something? Oh, so I'm on this Jordan Knight record, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> We got Brian McWhite in here doing the production. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, that might be the funniest thing I've read in a long time. Oh, God. Um, Wait, did they work with 98 Degrees? I don't know. Oh, no. I feel like they, they should have, but maybe I guess that didn't happen. Um, but they've all... It's just... Uh, I guess it's just amazing that, you know... Um, these guys have worked together for so long and yeah. they never really got that tired of each other. <laughs> um, I'm sure they, I mean, I'm probably sure they took breaks, you know, but I mean, when it's like the thing, you know, winning cures all, it's yeah. like, you know, like just when we were getting sick of each other, we got another number one hit, got and, another hit. and you seem cool again. Like <laughs> I need you. Like, I, I think it would and like mentioning earlier, like the, pop music one of pop pop music's greatest marriages i mean you could look at jimmy jam and terry lewis with janet jackson 
you know, to use sports like you do with Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich, mm-hmm. Belichick and Brady, mm-hmm. Jamal Lewis with Janet, yeah. um, you know, and you don't, I don't know if you're going to see that too. I mean, you may see it maybe, maybe in hip hop, but there's always, uh, as far as producers go and Brandon, you may know this to where, mm-hmm. you know, you don't actually um see a lot of uh like rappers have that same producer like work on the whole album uh i think i think i may have mentioned this before i don't know if it was with you or or you ben but um there was an article about how Nas's illmatic ruined hip-hop yeah because it had like five or six different producers make beats on it yeah and that wasn't something being done at the time it was more you know one producer um, works mm-hmm. on the on the whole album, uh, so it's um, it's kind of an old school approach that Janet Jackson has worked with these guys all this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there are a couple of other songwriters here and there, but it's been them. But it's been mostly me. them, mostly them, like maybe ninety percent them. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what do you think of that kind of of that kind of relationship? And um, I guess if, if you want, you know, comment on why do you think that doesn't happen too much today? She knows where her bread's butter, man. She's smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's just I mean, like, you, it, it's kind of like, you know, if you look at because um, it's really more so done nowadays, I guess, kind of in pop music. I mean, like you have like, of course. The marriage that was, or kind of still is, Max Martin and Katy Perry. You know, they've kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, Max Martin got Katy Perry in his second renaissance. Because I thought it was going to be, you know, Max Martin and Kelly Clarkson. But then she wanted, she got a big head. And I was like, I can do this on my own. And so and she then by December yeah, or whatever and, that yeah, was called. that happened out. and <laughs> we found out she couldn't. Then um, she came back, right? Yeah, yeah. But she started working with, you know, real songwriters again. But like... <laughs> Katy Perry, you know, has kind of had the same, I know my bread's butter. Max Martin, come on, man, we're making another record. And it's kind of like, you know, maybe Janet Jackson, a level of comfort, you know, like, come on, we're making another record. <laughs> Let's do this again. Like, I'm going to, you know, I, I like what you all do. I'm comfortable. I mean, I would imagine, you know, we never producer um, in the sense of like, you know, a producer, an engineer combo or whatever. It's, it's, you know, they know you, who you are. They know you as a vocalist. They know what you can do. They know how to, you know, we're going to use this type of mic. Uh, we're going to use maybe this type of arrangement. They just, they know when we go in to record the song, it's going to be a seamless process because we've worked with you so much that we know, you know, we know where you like your pop screen. You know, we know, you know, maybe you prefer an overhanging mic rather than a mic coming up. You know, they know all these things. So she's probably just comfortable. She goes in there, they have it set up the way she likes, and it's probably makes for a quicker recording process and just all that level of comfort. That's my opinion. And, and like it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly. Cause I know I felt that way when I've recorded before, like um working with like, you know, uh, an engineer because I never worked with a producer, producer, so to speak, but like, you know, someone who's an engineer. Um, when you've worked with an engineer that you've worked with before, it, it's an easier process. You know what to expect from them. They, for the most part, know what to expect from you. So that just makes it a bit of an easier process. Yeah, I think that's um, that's key. Like if you, okay, you know what the artist likes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
dislikes, you know, what sounds they like, you know, what concepts they want to explore. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and there's a, it can make for quick work. Like yeah. probably right now, I don't, um, I know she just came out with an album, but say right now, Janet hadn't made an album in a few years Yeah. and she's not thinking about making one right now, mm-hmm. but probably like in May, she's ready to make a new album she calls jimmy and terry up and you know okay yeah let's make another one and then possibly by august yeah exactly (laughs) it's ready to go out exactly or maybe sooner um because uh to make another connection to the um the new edition miniseries uh the day after the last episode aired bbd's new album came out um you know but from what i i saw their uh uh, facebook live event that they did and or it may have been a, another radio interview but um they wanted to make a new album okay anyway even before the the mini series started filming and they made a couple of songs and they they you know sent them out to the radio stations and they wanted to um eventually make another album and they wanted to kind of make it whenever the mini series came out. And it was like, okay, well, they were told by the record company they're working with, all right, you got like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so they had three weeks to put it together. Um, and they made it happen. And it's just, uh, you know, maybe because maybe BVD is easy to work with, mm-hmm. or they know a lot of people who can, you know, put stuff together quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of, artists would be that fortunate no just to do it that quickly <laughs> and that effectively yeah mm-hmm. you know or like um i think uh like beyonce who uh, may who for a while appeared to never take a vacation yeah uh because she uh she filmed dream girls when she filmed dream girls and she was supposed to take like six months off mm-hmm. or something not do anything and like after two weeks, uh, she started writing for B Day. Yes, writing. Well, air quotes. <laughs> however you want to put that. Um, and then like two weeks after that, I know the whole album B Day was recorded. It was written and recorded in two weeks. Really, that's crazy. But she's so, a, she's she uses large teams though. So I mean, I guess that's that could. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, you know, maybe it takes. I mean, some people have large teams. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just. Oh, with her, from what I've read, too, since she likes to bring in multiple producers and none of them seem to be really big names, she probably just uses the same engineer. And then you just like and then her producers are literally just beat makers instead of because like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis don't get a twist. They do, they do the whole thing. Um, they write, they produce, they're coming up with sounds, they're working the boards. Whereas I think nowadays a lot of producers are just relegated to you make me a beat and I got an engineer that'll arrange everything else. They'll they'll get my mic placement. They'll decide you know how the levels and things should be like that. You just make me a beat. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, what what do you think of that of that approach now of uh, compared to of what a Jam and Lewis were doing before or what they're still it's, doing now? Like I'm trying to think of a current producer who still operates like that and I can only literally think of one and that'd be Rico Love I've heard in interviews where like he doesn't like 
just having a song on someone's album. He wants to be able to, like, he wants he wants the entire album mm. instead of just giving up one song and then, I guess, I don't know. And not having the I, opportunity to record it with them and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that it's, you know, that you have producers who still think that way. They think in terms of albums, but the way that people listen to music now, mm-hmm. um, not to blame younger people, but it, it's part of it to where it's about singles. Yeah. We, yeah. we want to get these, we got, we got to get these songs out, you know, and there's not a lot of artists trying to um, do concept albums, even though, even if it's a loose concept or if they, mm-hmm. if everything is a, you know, it's part of the story, you're not going to get like to pip a butterfly mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, you probably see it. I think you yeah. see it more so in rock music where like you choose a producer and they make the whole album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, apparently unless you're fallout boy with infinity on high, you know, Babyface produced a track and yeah, I think he did two tracks actually. Um, and then on like Folia do, I think they work with a couple of different producers, but like for the most part in rock music, you have a producer, a engineer, <laughs> One engineer and you, the band comes in and you hammer out the album. You know, the band writes the album, you hammer it out. But in pop music, like, yeah, definitely, especially now, because I mean, it used to be in pop music. And I'm trying to think when the trend started, like, but pop music used to follow the same trend of like one producer. And then you got some of these artists who kind of started following that hip hop model where it's like, all right, we're going to get different writers for every song. There might be an, a writer that's more prominently featured than other um and there Letters. are also there are also deals. I don't know if it, it's um, and either you can help me out on this if it's included as part as like for artists who signed the 360 deal, the oh, mm, yeah. the infamous 360 deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were some, <clears throat> and I'm only remember is remembering remembering this from watching an episode of Glee. But um, like Mercedes' character was she wanted to be an artist, mm-hmm. and when she signed a she had made like a demo and uh, you know, it, it's a, it's kind of, it's a ridiculous show sometimes, <laughs> but so somehow like the Kanye's maid bought her demo and she got signed to a deal, but the deal was she had to write five songs for other artists before the company would start work on her album. Hmm. So there, I mean, there's some deals like that to where, you write for other artists for somebody like yeah. a Carrie Hilson. Yeah. Neo mm. as well. And Neo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's the model has changed as far as we got to get these singles out. Mm-hmm. And you know, some artists can have a, like a large team of like their stable of writers. These are their writers. Yeah. Um, and others you have, you know, this artist is coming up, but they got to, you know, give this song to somebody else yeah. and, you know, see who will work for and give it to the biggest artist they can to see mm-hmm. if it will be successful. I feel bad for those artists too, that don't get big. It's <clears> like for every, um, for every Neo and Carrie Hilson, there's a Bonnie McKee. <laughs> who, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. She had a single called American girl, which I loved, but like she was a prominent writer for like Katy Perry and a few other people. And when she finally got her, chance to shine like it just didn't blow up and it made me sad because i was like i bet you if this was sung by britney spears <laughs> this would be yeah. a bigger song if it was sung by some some other artist with the name it'd be a bigger song so yeah 
it kind of sucks when that happens. You put all your, I mean, granted, you know, don't feel bad for them. They're paid. Like if you write a song <laughs> for Katy Perry and it's a hit, you got paid. But, you know, of course, they probably want some of the spotlight, too. And another good example is Esther Dean. She wrote Ooh, Firework. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now I know of that name. Yeah, Esther Dean, yeah. <laughs> what else? She wrote, there was another song she wrote on, too, that was really big. She's uh, written on a few songs. Let's look. Like, I think she wrote on um, Come and Get It, the um, Selena Gomez song. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's she wrote, she's written for Rihanna. Um, she's written for uh, Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. Uh, Keisha Cole, T.I., Mary J. Blige, Pussycat Dolls, Robin Thicke, Christina Aguilera, Beyonce, Beyonce. Mm-hmm. This is this is an alphabetical order. Sorry. Um, <laughs> oh. Um, Kelly Clark, Kate, Mr. Know It All, <laughs> Kelly Rowland, Usher, um, Florence and the Machine, hmm. um, Britney Spears, uh, Cassie, <laughs> uh, and more Nicki. So a lot of Nicki Minaj and Rihanna. Yeah, there on we here. go. Selena Gomez. It's Selena Gomez. Yeah, yeah I see that on there. Because that was the first time I heard the name. Um, when I saw that, I was like, who is this Esther Dean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, well, uh, so we can bring an end to this discussion. Uh, Ben, what's your lasting impression of what do you think? What, how would you describe the legacy of Jam and Lewis? In two sects, um, on their slow down songs, lush chord structures, um, just filled space with their chords and then in their more up-tempo songs syncopation um, you know the, the funk jazz ins- um, inspiration or influence I should say to where like you know moving parts and I mean kind of kind of what I said about you know Teddy Riley and Babyface only this is where they were getting it from you know listening to that type of music they did it very very well Brandon, how about you? Uh, sweet background vocals oh, and yeah. Ray-Ban sunglasses. <laughs> Pinstripe suits. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, kind of a combination of all those things for me. Uh, background vocals. Um, sound like I, I, Sounds of like hammer hitting iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, that, they use that as percussion a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh different um different forms of percussion and yeah, I would say like the the, the lush chords. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> just, the lush arrangements. They're beautiful their slow songs are beautiful. Like they're beautiful <laughs> arrangements. Um and uh, you know, a lot of them <laughs> I don't know if they start to where you had to have like the radio edit, but you know, a lot of their songs if you listen to the album version, they're at least five minutes. Yeah, they're very long. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so if you, you know, if people wanted to enjoy the song, you know, get the album version, don't get the oh. the radio edit because you know, you're you're gonna be shorting yourself on mm-hmm. some things. Oh, they would also have they would 
they would also just have like just remixes that they made themselves of the same song. Like mm-hmm. last week, you guys played, I believe, is the like club dance version of Crucial. From yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that version actually. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that version, but they produced that as well as the mm-hmm. original. Yeah, yeah. They like I like we're uh, trying to figure out if it was just a coincidence with the mini series coming out that all of the prominent albums associated with new edition have an expanded version. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's a version of, uh, and they, they did it with like Johnny Gill's self-titled album, Ralph Tresman's self-titled mm-hmm. album. Um, I know they didn't work on BBD, but, uh, <laughs> but they had, but with that too. And with on new editions, heartbreak, I think like, there's like three or four different versions of you're not my kind of girl. And one of them is just the percussion with the vocals. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't check that one out. Uh, so they, they, with re with remixing songs, I mean, they'll, it sounds, it sounds a little, it sounds like them. It sounds a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a remix of course, but yeah. Um, you know, maybe like, probably the verses that we, those other remixes, like this is probably the first version of the song. <laughs> this is like the, like maybe the rough draft, like, Oh, we can't release it like this. Like there's mm-hmm. something missing with it. So I think I like how they just like play with a lot of things and um, yeah. And it, it's, I, I like those kind of albums to where they, they ex- with the expanded ones as mm-hmm. they, as it says on there mm-hmm. and they, um, I feel like these are these are the earlier versions of these same songs, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they they have the completed version. You know what you hear on the, actually hear on the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that will do it for our um, uh, discussion on Jam and Lewis. You can check out our playlist, BTTYHT Jam and Lewis, um, with of course uh, artwork by me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, check out all the other stuff that they've worked on. Uh, so we'll get to our earworm of the week. My earworm of the week. Um, I had it pulled up here. I, uh, I mean, looking at the, um, I have this more extensive playlist that is not released to the public on Spotify. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, and it's called uh, the others list and it's just songs that are maybe that alternative R&B or you know kind of just a different um just a different it doesn't sound like stuff you would hear on the radio necessarily fair enough uh so that's where i found out about you know artists like Anderson Pack and Kaytrenado and the internet <laughs> um and uh Actually, this uh, this week's artist, I uh, it's an art. His name is Dornick. He is from, I believe he's from the UK. Okay, I don't know. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is from London, and um, he had a self titled album that came out in 2015, and it's 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 like a electro R and B. It sounds like the album would have came would have come out in like 1985. I did. <laughs> so um, this song is called. Uh, oh, I can't remember the title. I don't want to play the wrong one, <laughs> so I don't have to edit anything. Um, 
Okay, this is called uh, Chain Smoke. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> it's what it's 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 a bit cheesy, but I like I like how it sounds. So this is Chain Smoke by Dornick, and once I get it queued up, we'll play it, and we'll be right back. Okay, eventually get played. Give me just a moment. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm addicted to your lips, yeah. That is Chainsmoke by Dornick from his self-titled album. Um, he was named Dornick because his as a combination of his parents' names. His mother's name is Dorothy. His dad's name is Nicholas. Okay. I was like, <laughs> Dorna? Is that her name? <laughs> Dornick. Okay. So, um, yeah, check that out. It's part of our... <clears throat> Our BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify. Sponsor us. Yes, um, <laughs> I was about to ask, are they sponsoring you guys yet? No. No, not yet. Uh, maybe I should start a petition. Let's See, who, who did the Migos petition for the Super Bowl? Yeah. Maybe they can help us out. Like, get like 30 <laughs> signatures, maybe? Yeah. It's <laughs> enough, right? There, yeah, let's aim for 30. Yeah. Make Spotify <laughs> take notice. Um. Yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of our episode. Um, Brandon, thank you again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me again. Uh, this is this is fun. I like this <laughs> a lot. <laughs> great, great. Um, well, why don't you tell the people uh, where they can find you if you want to be found? 
you can find me at youtube.com slash beats by hawk or on Instagram at Hawk Jones the Great. All right. And that is I. That is me. He's a good follow. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, uh, hopefully there are more Beyonce uh memes coming from you. <laughs> I also must say I, I enjoyed um I've never been a fan of the song 1979 by the Smashing Pumpkins, but then I heard you play it on acoustic guitar, and I was a fan. It sounds much better acoustic than it does it's, full band. About to say, it sounds a lot better acoustic. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, for people who've, uh, who are not sure of spelling or anything with, like that, as far as where to find, Brandon, will, uh, all of that will be in the description of the podcast. Um, you can again find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this spelled with the word you on Instagram. It's by the time you hear this with the letter U because you is for upstanding. Yes. So, you know, don't, don't come after us government. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same spelling applies to our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com and you can hear our uh, episodes on Podomatic, iTunes, Castbox, Satchel Podcast Player, and TuneIn Radio. I was say, did you say TuneIn? Yeah, TuneIn. Um, I know a lot of people can get the TuneIn Radio, and Castbox is for those who have the Android. Phones. Well, you can get TuneIn also on Android, so yeah. more options for us Android users. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, um, Satchel podcast player is for those, you know, you listen to podcasts and then find out other podcasts that may be produced in your area. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find, you know, different podcasts around the world, of course, but kind of try to get other podcasts to connect if you live in the same city or whatever. Um, So maybe we'll start looking for that. See who else we, we know that's around. I guess that could be cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that's going to do it for our episode. Um, I, I don't know what we'll talk about next time. But <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out over the next uh, Maybe few days. Maybe there'll be a uh, wardrobe malfunction <laughs> at the Super Bowl to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, Brandon, thank you for, for joining us. And yeah. um, well, we've already played the Jordan Knight song, but what's another Jam and Lewis song you think we should end the show with? Hmm. We've already played the Sherelle song. Yeah. Oh, the the Sherelle and uh, Alexander O'Neill. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. It's almost Saturday. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll end the show with Saturday Love by uh, Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle. And. there's a long intro, so I'm just gonna yeah, try to skip to where versions. it begins. There should be a second version that's shorter, because I, I see I've seen that long version you're talking about. It's like six minutes or seven minutes long. Um, I just don't know where it is. It's it's not on like an actual album. It's pretty obscure. Yeah, yeah. And that's a remix. I don't really like the remix too much. We'll figure it out and you'll just hear it at the end. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So thank you guys for listening and we will, I think this is it right here and we'll talk to you soon.
Shagun, 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 shagun. 